This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. It is a very sad and scary day today. In Texas, a school shooting, another school shooting, where 18 students and one adult were killed. An elementary school, little kids, tiny little kids, shot dead in their school. I've been hearing a lot of talk today about gun control, that the solution to the rash of school shootings we've seen since Columbine in 1999 the solution to that is gun control. And and I'm I always I was I'm just a little perturbed by that conclusion. I'm always a little perturbed by the idea that if we ban guns, all this violence, all this hatred, all this uh, murders will will come to an end. It bothers me. It bothers me that we have to turn our schools into fortresses and turn our children into experts on how to hide and how to uh, save themselves in case some wacko walks in with a gun. It kills me to think that there are kids who go to school every single day worried that that may be the last day that they go to school or do anything. That there are parents who ship their kids off to school with a slight hint of hesitation in the back of their minds thinking that maybe This is the final time that their child will leave the house. No parent should have to think that. No child should be afraid to go to school. So we talk about gun control, but that's not the solution. That's definitely not the solution. We are living in a time of moral decay. We are living in a time where morality has dropped to nothing. Where you could turn on the television... Or, uh, or or stream off some streaming service and see any kind of perversion that you want to see. Anything that possibly dream of is now readily available to be seen at any time on demand. And don't think that because you're not a seedy person, you're not watching the stuff, that nobody's watching the stuff. There are people watching the stuff. There are people watching it and taking it seriously. And there are people who are influenced by it. Not long ago, we're talking about 30 years ago, a man got up and shot the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. He was influenced by a book, The Catcher in the Rye. And his desire, his perverse desire to impress Jodie Foster, an actress. There are nutcases out there That's for gran- that, that you can take for granted. But when we glorify violence and we glorify death and we make no big deal about it, any television show you watch today, any movie that you watch today, there could be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people dying. And nobody seems to care that these people died. Nobody laments the lives that they lived. Nobody shows the, 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 the pain and suffering that families go through when loved ones die. It's just, oh, 
He's a bad guy. Shoot him. He's dead. Oh, well, move on. And generations of children who grow up understanding that life means nothing. And it means nothing, not only because media tells us it means nothing, not only because movies and television tell us it means nothing, but morality in the world has, has, has gone away too. Uh, there is no moral fabric in the world anymore. There's no moral floor. There's no moral ceiling. There's, mor- morality doesn't exist. In fact, if you say the word religion or morality in today's world, you're shunned and ridiculed and, and laughed at. You're told you're a dinosaur. You're told that you're, you're living in the Stone Age. And that t- today we're, we're a free, free society, not shackled by the bonds of religion or by the bonds of any moral code. That we can do what we want. Uh, we don't have to follow science. We don't have to follow biology. We don't have to follow anything. There, there's no moral box that we live in anymore. Now, I'm not saying we should go back to the Puritan uh, way of life. But you have to recall that history does repeat itself. And, and, and it's quite obvious that history is now repeating itself. So in the 1950s, we had some semblance of morality, some respect for religion. In, in the 1960s, we kind of shunned that. In the 1970s, we got rid of it. In the 1980s, it didn't exist anymore. The money became the new god. We saw this before. We saw this during the Renaissance periods in the 1400s. And what happened at the end of the Renaissance? Does anybody remember? Because history tends to repeat itself. What happened was morality came rolling back in like a steamroller. And religion took over like a steamroller. And people went back to the way it was during the Puritan area. So so we, we, we can't find a happy median. And, that, and that's the problem. So the problem isn't that there's a proliferation of guns. That doesn't help the cause. The problem is that we, we have a society where, where there, there's no moral value. There's no value to life. That people don't care. And people don't have any concept of what's right and what's wrong anymore. Because what, right, what, what was right became wrong and what was wrong became right. We're living in an upside down, turned over world. How do, how do we fix this is the question. When we look at a tragedy like the Texas school shooting today, what do we do to fix this problem? Now, many will blame it on uh, the, the illegals coming in, the, the immigrants coming in, and uh, the country letting anybody into the country without vetting them, without even caring who they are. That, that's also part of the problem. So there are a lot of pieces to this problem. How, how do we solve this? What, what do we do to protect ourselves? So we can build fortresses, and that's what we've been doing. We've been turning our schools into castles with buzzers and guards and, 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 and bulletproof windows and lockdown procedures and, uh, and, and active shooter procedures and, and special bells and police that respond in 13 seconds. A couple of days ago, I was leaving the school, and uh, I accidentally or some, somehow the the panic button got pushed. And within eight seconds after we lock, I locked the door and walked out of the building, there were three cop cars that, that came screaming up to the building. They came from everywhere. Everywhere I looked, there was a police car. And the cops get out of the car with their guns drawn. They were ready. Is this really the world we want to live in? 
I'm glad the police had such quick response. But when you think, why was there such quick response to an elementary school panic button? You have to, you have to imagine that these police officers were thinking they were entering into an active shooting situation. Now, thank God they answered quickly, and thank God there was no active shooter, and thank God we were able to resolve that issue quickly. But we've gotten to the point where schools are now targets, where elementary school students, grades 2, 3, and 4, 7-year-olds, are now moving targets for people with guns. It scares the heck out of me. one 669 1292 It's the number to call to get in on the conversation. We 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 gotta back up society somehow. We got we got we gotta turn things around. We we gotta instill morality in society. We have to we have to we have to stop te- teaching people and stop raising people to believe that life is worthless, that life means nothing, that you can walk in and take a life. And that's totally, it's totally irrelevant. A few years ago in uh, Colorado, there was a shooting. There was a school shooting. Uh, a boy went into, the, uh, went into a cafeteria before school and shot four boys who were sitting at a table. It was a high school shooting. It wasn't elementary. Elementary is much more disgusting than a high school shooting. But it was a high school shooting. The boy walked in and he shot a, a, a group of people sitting at a table. Whatever reason he had for shooting them, he went and he shot them. And... When he went on uh, trial, they asked him why he did it. When the police arrested him, they asked him, why did, why did you do that? And, and he said, I was angry at them, so I killed them. I was angry at them because I killed them? That, that's, that's, that's the response for being angry at somebody? Now, I, I don't know what these, these boys did to this young man who ended up going to jail for the rest of his life, so his life as well as all these other lives were ruined. So I, I don't know what... I don't know what he did to them or what they did to him. But the end result was four boys were dead and another boy went to jail. Five lives, four cut short, and the last one ruined. And all their families' lives ruined because he was angry at them. We have to find a way to to, to look at, at our children, to look at the young and and to figure out to to figure out who's a risk and and try to get them help. Sure, mental illness is is a big part of this, and we really got to find a way to to resolve this. This is it's it's crazy. Every two weeks, every three weeks, we hear about a shooting in a school. It's unacceptable. It's unbelievable, and we 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 got to do something to stop this. Our children should be safe, safe in school, safe at home. They should feel safe. Parents should not be afraid to let children ride their bikes to school or walk to school. The secretaries should not have to sit behind bulletproof glass. It's a school, not a prison. one 669 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. So Quebec... The Quebec government today passed a law, Bill 96, which which limits the access to English for many different people. 
It's a draconian law. It falls into the same category as the other language laws that were passed in Quebec uh, over the years. This one takes it a little further because it limits uh, access to English schools for French people. It limits, um, well, limit more limits. It always limited access to uh, English schools. This one here limits even more. It limits people's access to colleges. It's a sad day for Quebec. That's what Julius Gray said today. He's a lawyer, and uh, he's going to be fighting this in court. Although he probably has no chance of winning since Quebec invoked the uh, the notwithstanding clause, which overrides the Quebec Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It is interesting that that when you pass a law that you know is going to infringe on people's rights, you could just invoke this clause and <laughs> who cares? When you do stuff like that, you enter the realm of dictator. If you pass laws that uh, that are that are not good for the people, you enter the realm of dictator. If you pass laws that the people, your voters, your electors, can't challenge, you've entered the realm of dictators. It's uh, it's it's sad. Now, of course, that's not going to stop people from uh, challenging the law. The uh, First Nations have vowed to fight Bill ninety six in court. Uh, Herb Gray has vowed to go to court and uh, and fight this this law. Now the Quebec government really has a a lot of nerve. They 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 really have a lot of gal, and uh, it, it amazes me how much nerve these people have. So despite the emotional last few months of language debates, Premier Francois Legault said that he wants to keep Quebecers of all origins united. So you pass a divisive law. And then the premier of the country, of the province, says that they, he, he wants to keep everyone united. So a divisive law, which, which separates, which creates two classes of people, English people and French people, and gives different rights to different people. And, and he's calling for unity? Really? Unity? How, how could you be united? How's that possible? What planet is this man living on? Here's a quote. I really want... That we get people together, he said when he was asked about the divisions and the feelings on the part of Anglophones, Allophones, and Indigenous people, that their voices were not heard by his government. I know there are some who are adding fuel to the fire by claiming Bill 96 will prevent English-speaking Quebecers from receiving health care services in English, he said. We know that some people are worried. We are committed to protecting your access to health care in English. It's a historical promise that we will keep. Now, Legault made the comments moments after National Assembly, after a full year of uh, hearings adopted Bill 96 overhauling the Charter of French Language. The final vote was 78 in favor and 29 opposed. Now, emerging after the vote, accompanied by the minister responsible for the French language, Simon Jolly Barrette, Legault told reporters he considers the law responsible and moderate compared to the kinds of laws that parties like the Parti Québécois would have passed. Legault insisted that the majority of Quebecers agree with the legislation, and Anglophone thinks French is a plus, not a minus. But he said, if we don't take action to protect French, it's a matter of time before Quebec becomes a bilingual state. Now, the sweeping 201 article bill delves into almost every aspect of the daily lives of Quebecers, from imposing a ceiling on enrollment in English CGEPs, English colleges, to limiting the use of English in the courts and by government, and even changing the name of uh, a writing to Camille Laurent, who is the father of Bill 101. 
Now, the entire bill is shielded from court challenges through the use of the Constitutional with Notwithstanding Clause, which allows Quebec to override the Quebec and Canadian Charters of Rights and Freedoms. The yes votes came from the Coalition Avenue to Quebec and Quebec Solidaire. Uh, Quebec Solidaire passed the bill despite its reservations. They didn't like the bill, but they, they voted for it anyway. Now, as announced two months ago, Liberal MAs voted against the bill, as did those from the Party Quebecois. Now, the Liberals in the PQ opposed the bill for completely different reasons. While the Liberals said Bill 96 goes too far and tramples the right of minorities, the PQ says it doesn't go far enough to protect the French. For the Liberals, the vote marks the end of a long saga after they got themselves into hot water with minorities by amending Bill 96 at the committee stage to impose more French language courses in English in CJEPs. Asked whether she expects the ghost of Bill 96 to haunt her in the fall's general election, Liberal leader Dominique Anglade said, in the end, the party did the right thing and that's what matters. I think they're disgruntled voters realizing that the party standing out there saying no to Bill 96 is the Liberal Party, she said. I, I think Dominique Anglade is a moron. I think she is, she is, a, total, she is a total moronic idiot uh, who's a politician and uh, that is a political... The political assessment of, of what I think she is. I don't think Dominique Anglade has the um, has the political know-how to do anything, and I would never vote for the Liberal Party. The Liberals made it worse for the French people. And, and I, I don't understand why French people in Quebec are not rioting as they are being limited more than the English people are. If I'm a historic Anglo and I have one one parent or somebody, somebody, one of my guardians was uh, was educated in English, I have the right to do everything in English. I'm considered a historic Anglo. I could do everything I want in English in Quebec. But if I'm French, I can't. If I'm an English person, I could be perfectly bilingual. I could work in Canada. I could work in the United States. I could do international trade. I could do whatever I want. I, I have full access to the entire world. Unfortunately, Quebec is not giving that access to their children. Imagine the biggest fear of the Quebec government right now is that Quebec is going to be coming bilingual. Now, most countries, most people, most uh, most most areas of uh, uh, of uh, of land where people are living would consider the knowledge of more than one language an asset, not a not a detriment. Being bilingual. It was always an asset. It, it always opens up doors for you. It always allows you to, to communicate. Communication is key, especially now in the age of the Internet. Communication and the Internet and languages in English. Communication is key. Stopping your children from communicating, stopping your children from being citizens of the world is living in the 1930s. You, you can't stop progress. And legislating progress is le legislating uh, legislating to stop progress seems draconian. So you want to talk about draconian laws? Bill ninety six is a draconian law. It dates back to a, a time where where people were people were were very tribalistic. That time does not exist anymore. Now maybe it's unfortunate that time doesn't exist anymore. Maybe there is some kind of uh, benefit to being tribalistic. I I don't know. But Bill ninety six is not going to recreate that. It's just going to cause resentment to young French people who want to get an education in a language that 
will allow them to make money around the world, and and they won't be able to do that. It's going to cause resentment. It's going to cause it's going to cause pain and heartache for people who are ambitious, who want to open businesses, but are unilingual and won't be able to communicate to do business. It, it's it's a sad, sad, sad day in Quebec, as the Quebec government once again punishes their people and tries to destroy their province for the simple way of, for the simple, you know, poor excuse uh, of preserving their language. Let me tell you something. If your culture is important to you, you teach it to your children. We see that time and time again with, with every culture. You see that with Greeks, uh, where Greek children learn English. They learn French in Quebec. They learn English, French, and Greek. You see it with Italians, where they learn English, French, and Italian. You see it with Jews, they learn English, French, and Hebrew. You, you see it in all the different cultures, all the different minority cultures, all the different uh, immigrant cultures. Uh, you see that they preserve their traditions. So Jews will have a Shabbat meal. They will, they will, they will celebrate holidays. They will build synagogues and pray, because that is their culture. Uh, Islamic people will will celebrate, will will will, uh, will fast on Ramadan. And they'll celebrate Eid and they'll, they'll go to the mosque to pray because that is their culture. I- Italians will, will, will do what they do and everybody will do what they do because that's their culture and they teach their children and they pass it on from generation to generation. Third and fourth and fifth generation uh, Muslims and third and fourth gener- generation uh, Jews and third and fourth uh, generation Catholics all follow their traditions simply because their parents said it was important and passed it on to them and taught them what they had to do. If French is such an important aspect of Quebec, then Quebec people should be teaching their children French and French culture and the culture of Quebec. And that will be passed on from generation to generation. So it will never get lost. The only way it gets lost is if people reject it. If, if French people, French children, reject it and rebel against it. And the only reason they would reject it and rebel against it is if we pass legislation, such as Bill 96, that crams it down their throat. I I don't know about you, but in my experience working with young people, if you cram it down their throat, they are never going to respect it and they are never going to follow it. In order to make them respect it and follow it, you have to present it to them in a way that's respectful to them. Why would I follow a religion or, or, a, uh, or, or a culture which is legislating that I must follow it? It makes no sense. It's, it's totally irrational. So these old politicians who promised that they would never have another referendum but are trying to legislate separation rather than, rather than ask the people. They're just trying to cram it through as a government should back off because they're going to cause more harm in their community than good. They're going to cause their young French people who want to be bilingual. They want to preserve their French culture, but also be bilingual, also be able to communicate with the rest of the world. They're going to cause them to reject the French Quebec culture and walk away. That's what's going to happen. And it's very unfortunate. Now, I, I'm not a French-Canadian. I'm a Quebecer, but I'm not a French-Canadian. I was born in Quebec. I was raised in Quebec. I consider myself a Quebecer. 
I'm not a French Canadian. I am an English speaking Quebecer. A historical Anglo, as they want to call me. <coughs> and I'm, I'm almost embarrassed by this law. Because I feel bad for the poor French people who are being punished by it. It's not right. And we must stand up for the people who are being oppressed. Now, I I never thought when you know when when I when I when I heard my when I spoke to people, I never thought English people were ever oppressed by the language laws in Quebec. I always knew that it was the French people who were oppressed. And I always felt bad for the French people. And every time I vocalize that, I think it's French people who get the short end of the stick by their government. Because they're the ones being forced to be unilingual. I could be perfectly bilingual, which I am. And other people could be perfectly bilingual, who are historic Anglos. And I could work in a French environment, and I could work in an English environment, and I could speak to somebody in French and somebody in English. With no problem, I could switch back and forth with no issue at all. But a French person can't. Who has the advantage, me or them? I guess that might be the point. The point might be that Quebec wants to keep young people in Quebec. They, they want to lock them into the province and say, we're a French province, you must stay here. Quebec is trying to make themselves more French than France. Even France has bilingual signs. Even France allows people to learn English and, see, and consider it an asset because when you, have, when you have tourists coming in from countries that speak English, it's always nice to serve them, always nice to be nice to them, everywhere except for in Quebec. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Are you outraged by the by this law, by the Bill 96? We went over it a few days ago. We went over the... Uh, some of the uh, some of the highlights of Bill ninety six. Uh, you're not going to be able to have a law um, a judge in English. J- the law changes the criteria for judges, and says that trials do not have to be held in English. They could be held with a translator, but but the trial could be held in French. So you could be up on trial, or you could be suing someone, and if you don't speak French, you're out of luck. The proceeding will go on in a language that you do not understand. You could, uh, well, you know, I, this law here makes me almost as angry as uh, as Bill Twenty One, which banned the use of uh, public, the display of public, uh, the public display of uh, religious symbols when you work for the government, when you work for uh, for as a teacher, or as a lawyer, or as a judge, or a police officer. This kind of discrimination is disgusting and should be opposed uh, all around. But it's not. And because there's an election coming up, the liberals who pander to the English community, even though they never do anything to uh, to benefit the English community, in fact, they work against the English community most of the time, uh, they, they want the English vote, which they historically get. So, so they pandered, and this time here they knew that this law was going to pass because Quebec Solidaire and the CAQ were voting for it, so they knew this law was going to pass. So the liberals decided to pander to the English community, and after 
putting amendments into this law, which are more draconian than the original law was. In fact, the, uh, the Coalition Avenir de Quebec, the, the governing party of Quebec, didn't want to touch the college system. They, it wasn't included in the law. The liberals insisted that they add the clause to, to force English people to take French courses in, in college. That wasn't part of the, uh, the original law. That was an amendment put in by the liberals. And the liberals passed, uh, passed you know, harsher, much harsher, much, much harsher laws around language than the Party Quebecois ever did. And yet the English people somehow always vote for the liberals. I, I don't get it. The same way I don't get why Jews vote for the Democrats in the States, I don't get why English people vote for the liberals in Quebec. These, these parties work against the best interest of the people voting for them. And then around the election time, they start pandering to them, like the Liberal Party did today, by voting against this law that was guaranteed to pass anyway. So their vote for it or against it was kind of useless, didn't really matter. But now they could use it as a, uh, as a, campaign, pro- as a campaign thing, saying, hey, look, we voted against it. We were opposed to it. They're full of it. And we should all realize they're full of it. And everybody should point out every, to every liberal candidate that the liberals took uh, active, active interest in this law. They were, they were part of the creation of the law. And they insisted on adding the amendments, two amendments, which made the law much harsher against English people living in Quebec. So are English people supposed to leave Quebec? Should we just pack up and leave? Is that the solution here? Uh, as much as the Quebec government would love if we did that, they, they would be thrilled if we did that. I, I don't think that's the solution. If we uh, packed up and left, if all the entire English community, like the 1980s or late 70s, early 80s, packed up their bags and left and moved to Toronto, like everybody did in the 70s and 80s, which is why Toronto is a much bigger city than Montreal. And if all the corporate head offices or whatever's left in Quebec, because most of them moved out in the 80s, but if uh, the corporate head offices all close up, and I spoke to a couple of, by the way, a couple of business people who have major corporations. One of the clauses of this law that, that, that was just passed was that uh, corporations now have to draft all their contracts in French. And it doesn't matter where the contract's going. So if, I, if, if my corporation has a... Um, has clients in, let's say, England, I have to draft contracts with my clients in England in French. I have to send them French contracts, which they have to hire a lawyer uh, to to verify, a French lawyer to verify in England before they could sign the contracts and send them back to me. It's it's ridiculous. It's, it's completely insane. And many business owners that I spoke to, and I've spoken to quite a few over the last little while, Many business owners I spoke to said that they are not going to accept us and uh, they are going to pack up and leave Montreal, leave Quebec. They're going to move to Ontario where they don't have to worry about this stuff. And uh, the, the loss of the workforce, the loss of the companies, the loss of the income and the tax dollars and the jobs is, is terrible. This is self-destructive. The Quebec government is self-destructing. They're, they're destroying their own country, well, the province again. I keep calling it a country, I know. They call themselves the National Assembly, so you assume that this is a country, but it's actually just a province in Canada. And the Quebec government is destroying the province. They, they're, they're killing the province. 
I find it a little scary. I don't know about you, but I find it a little scary that uh, the economy is going to collapse here because corporations are going to move out again. They're going to leave. I don't blame them. I'd leave too. If I if I was a corporation, I'd leave too. If I had to redraft all my contracts and all my uh, all my uh, all my agreements in French and then have to resign everything in French, I would say why? Why would I go through that expense and the time and the money it would take for me to do this and the money it would take for me to hire uh, lawyers for my clients or or, or, or my or money that my clients would have to spend to hire lawyers? Why would they hire a French lawyer to check my contract when they could just go to another company offering the same service I offer? We'll give them a contract in English where they don't have to hire extra staff. I, I, I don't I don't I don't understand what is going through the minds of these politicians. Maybe they don't have any businesses. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going through their minds. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. The Howie Silberger Show is heard every night of the week, Monday to Thursday at 10 p.m., 10 to 11 p.m. On uh, Tuesdays going into Wednesdays at midnight, we also uh, come back at midnight with Political Hitman. Right here, same place that you're watching this or listening to this, you'll catch Political Hitman. Tell your family, tell your friends, download the True Talk Radio Network app from your favorite Android or Apple app store. And, uh, of course, if you miss any minute, any moment of this podcast, um, you could always download the podcast. You can always subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting service. I think we're linked to everything, including uh, including Apple Music and Spotify. So feel free to uh, to to sign up and uh, to listen to the Howie Silver Show anywhere you are. And uh, if you um, if you are uh, if you have one of those smart devices, nine out of ten times when you tell your smart device to turn on to to listen to the Howie Silver Show, they'll find me. They'll find the show. So just tell your smart device, hey, whoever, I want to um, I want to hear the Howie Silberger Show. Play the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, sometimes you'll have to say, play the Howie Silberger Show off Apple Podcasts. Sometimes you'll have to say, play the Howie Silberger Show on Spotify. But uh, they'll find me. If you ask them, they'll find me. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Join me on the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Another uh, another clause in this Bill ninety six. Another problem with Bill ninety six that's 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 potentially going to um, going to destroy the world, destroy everything that we've known and everything we will know, is um, is the bill. The new bill now requires, well, now allows uh, building that now allows language inspectors from the office de la langue française from the Quebec language office. To uh, to search and seize uh, any any document they want or computers, they have a right to search without a warrant any computers in any business in Quebec. So they could just walk in, no warrant, and say we want to see your business files. We want to be able to look at that. Now, last week the Quebec government denied that's that's what the clause says, but that's exactly what the clause says in the law. They said that the legal analysts were just trying to scare people. But but how were they scaring people when they were just reading what the law says? Another thing that, uh, that, that you have to know now is that if you are a temporary worker or you are a worker from, the, uh, from, from out, of, out of the country uh, and you have school-age kids, 
the school-age kids will be allowed to go to um, English school for three years, and then after that they would have to go to French school. There are no more exemptions for out-of-town workers, for temporary workers, for their children to go to English schools. Also, also, if you are an immigrant, you have three months to learn French. If you don't learn it in three months, too bad. All your services and everything reverts to French. So we're, we're not making it welcoming here for people who come into work, for specialized workers who come into work. We're not making it easy for immigrants, even though we want immigrants to come and we want to be a, a society that welcomes immigrants. We're not really welcoming immigrants. And we are um, and we're making life very difficult for everybody. But that's the way Quebec does things. They make things difficult for everybody for no reason. And and then they go and they complain that they are they are uh, oppressed that the Quebec people are oppressed and the Quebec people are, are are not on equal grounds with everyone else. How could you be on equal grounds with everyone else when you think you're superior, and and, and you have the superiority complex a complex, and everybody else has to be inferior to you? How how could you be on equal grounds with anybody? Why would anybody put you on equal ground? Why would anybody take you seriously, when you pass these crazy laws? which cause pain and suffering to your people, and then you expect people to empathize with you, to sympathize with you, to take you seriously, to want to do business with you. Uh, I don't know if these people are just insane. I don't know if these people are on some kind of uh, weird drug. I, I don't know what these people are on. But whatever it is, it, government should not be taking whatever they're taking and people should not be suffering the way they're suffering because the government is being draconian. It's not fair to the people. It's not fair to anybody. And the worst part about this whole thing is that we all know that they'll get reelected. We all know that because the apathy of the population, the fact that only 30% of the people in the population actually go out and vote could almost guarantee that a dictator like Francois Legault, the premier of Quebec, will get reelected and will be back in power again next next election. So the election is coming up in, uh, I think it was September, in August, in September, October. And Quebec will vote in uh, Francois Legault again. But then again, when you look at the options, there's not much, there's not much, to, there's not much else to vote for. <clears throat> if you are a serious Anglophone, if you are a serious English person, you can't in good conscience vote for the Liberals. You can't in good conscience vote for Quebec Solidaire, who just voted to pass this law. You can't in good conscience vote for the Parti Québécois. The Quebec Conservative Party voted against the uh, the law, but they're all over the map and uh, they're not really all that organized. So who are you going to vote for? When you're left with no options... And that's the problem. You're left with no options. And, and there's many reasons why there are no people running who are worth voting for. Good people don't want to run for politics, and they don't want to run for politics not because they want to be civic-minded, not because they don't want to help out, not because they, they, they don't want to, uh, to be part of politics. They don't want to run for politics because running for politics today means that your life is going to be turned upside down, that you are going to be scrutinized at every, every, every embarrassing thing you've ever said, done, or thought will be public knowledge, publicized for everybody to know. Every mistake you ever made will be highlighted in the media. 
So why would any good person who may have made a couple of mistakes as a kid or may have uh, or, or may have some skeleton in their closet that you know that's irrelevant but becomes very relevant during an election campaign when the when the media decides to make it relevant? Why would anybody want to do that? Why would anyone want to put themselves and their families through the hassle and the uh, and, and the embarrassment of being scrutinized by the media? So either you have to be a, a total narcissist who loves to see your name in lights and likes to see your name published and, and loves, doesn't matter um, what they're saying about you, just loves the fact that people are talking about you. Or you have to be completely insane. So if you have narcissistic people and insane people running for politics, and that's the only people running for politics, then you get draconian leaders who are, who are dictators like Francois Legault. You get those people who take over office and then they pass these kind of laws and then everybody suffers so the media causes people not to good people not to run for politics good people not running for politics causes horrible laws to be passed and pain and suffering to be uh, to be to be passed on to the entire population tell me that I mean, it's a vicious circle, really, when you think about it. It's a terribly vicious circle. How do we break this circle? Well, good people have to start running for office. They have to bite the bullet, start running for office, and take the media for what they are. The media has to stop worrying about the personal lives of politicians and just worry about covering their campaigns and asking the questions pertinent to their, to their, um, to their policies and to the policies that they want to pass and, uh, and pass into law in Canada, if the media stuck to that and the politicians stuck to talking about politics and everybody left their personal lives personal, I suppose at the end of the day, we could probably have some good people elected into office and less horrific laws passed against the people. But that's just a pipe dream because... Diving into personalized politicians is what sells media, is what brings the eyeballs to the television stations, it's what brings the eyeballs to the newspapers, whatever's left of newspapers. It, it, that is what happens. That the fact that they delve into these and they attack politicians uh, based on their personal lives, based on their personal faults, is actually what sells media. And that's all that matters today. Media doesn't care about you, doesn't care about me, doesn't care about the politician, doesn't even care about the story anymore. They care about presenting the story in a way that will sell more media, will bring more eyeballs so they can sell advertising and make more money. It's all about the bottom line. I suppose it's always, always been about the bottom line. Uh, I suppose that uh, this is nothing new. I shouldn't be surprised by this. This has always been the case. It's just a little more prevalent today. It's a little more obvious today. And the reason it's obvious is not because anything has changed in the media, because that for sure hasn't. The reason it's obvious today is because there is less media. And so without the constant noise of 500 different competitors trying to get the, trying to get the best angle on the story, and when there's one or two newspapers or one or two radio stations, and they're all owned by the same corporations, the mega corporations that own all media, 
And you know which ones are right wing and which ones are left wing. And you know which side of the story they're going to take. And once you know that, and the secret is out, and it wasn't a really, really a great secret to start with, but the secret is out, then you run into the, in, into the problem that we're running into now. That they just focus on whatever sells papers. There's no more news out there. Newspapers and, uh, and TV news don't cover the news. They give you opinion. It's all about opinion. They tell you what to think. And little sheep follow what the news tells them. They, they, they follow. and You all follow. News tells you to wear a face diaper because uh, that's going to stop COVID from spreading. Even though experts for months said that that doesn't stop COVID from spreading. Everybody went running to put on face diapers. The media tells you to get an injection of a, uh, uh, of a, a, a vaccine, an experimental vaccine. That's supposed to stop the spread of COVID and everyone runs out and gets that. And then finds out that that did not stop the spread of COVID. Yet everybody ran out to get a vaccine. Everyone ran out to get two and three. And it didn't stop the spread of COVID. COVID is still out there. And now they're telling you you got to get four and five. And mark my words. Mark my words. Now that COVID is dying down and the pandemic is pretty much over. And governments have uh, have lifted their state of emergencies. Now they're starting to talk about monkeypox. Now I don't know if you remember, uh, COVID was, uh, was this past COVID scare uh, for two and a half years was was an extreme, extreme, extreme reaction. But I don't know if you remember the uh, the reactions to SARS and to avian flu and to Ebola. Uh, monkeypox is going to fall into that too, but. The governments now realize that if they get the media to scare the population, they get more power. So suddenly you start seeing the media is playing up monkeypox. So so COVID has died down. Now monkeypox is starting to get played up. And don't be surprised if governments start talking seriously about about uh, monkeypox vaccines. I just saw an article yesterday saying that. Um, that the United States will share with Canada millions of monkeypox vaccines. And then next, they'll tell you that monkeypox is, fa- is, is passed through, uh, through I don't know, sneezing or touching or whatever, and they're going to ask you to wear gloves or wear masks again. And then maybe one or two people are going to die of monkeypox, and then they're going to tell you to isolate in your homes and close your schools and close your businesses. Because they saw it work the first time. And governments, as much as we love governments, as we could see by the passage of this bill, governments like playing God, like controlling your lives in any way possible. So monkeypox is the next excuse to control your life. And when monkeypox proves to be nothing, which it will, there'll be the next disease to come along and the next public health scare and so on and so on and so on population once you give up your rights so voluntarily it is very hard to get the government to back off i know it's a scary prospect if you think about it it's very scary but that is the truth it's an unfortunate unfortunate truth but it is the truth and if you find it scary and and i know it is it is quite scary 
find it scary, you're not the only one. It is quite scary. It is it is crazy scary. That the government has so much control over the media and so much control over us. That the media has so much control over the population. But it's always been the case. I mean, how do you think Hitler got uh, 30 million people to join him on his quest to destroy the Jewish people? He manipulated them through the media. Media is very, very, very powerful. And if you don't understand how it works and you don't see through the garbage that they feed you, then you end up doing things and believing in things that you never, as a rational person, would ever believe in or think of. That is the danger of the media and and abuse of the media. And the government abuses the media and the media allows them because the government gives the media money. So the media becomes the government's spokesperson. So when you think about big media in Canada, there's only one company that you really think about, and that is uh, that is Bell Media. They own almost everything. And they get hundreds of millions of dollars from the government in payouts every year, in tax breaks and payouts. So do you think that they would be hostile to the government in any given way when they get so much money from them? Uh, I'm... I'm willing to wager if anybody bothered to do it, and I haven't bothered to do it, if anybody was bothered to do an analysis of, uh, of the coverage that they've given the government, you will find that the majority of the coverage, I mean, it can't be 100%, but the majority of the coverage is favorable. When you get money from a government, you're very hesitant to criticize the government for fear that the government won't give you more money. It's all about greed and the bottom line. And unfortunately, we are the pawns in the game of corporate chess. We're not the rooks. We're not the kings. We're not even the castles. We're just the pawns. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Subscribe to the app. uh, Subscribe to the app. Subscribe to the podcast, but your favorite podcast service. Just look for the Howie Silberger Show. Should be there. Download the app, the True Talk Radio Network app from the App Store. It's available at the App Store, any App Store, the uh, iPhone App Store or the Android App Store. Feel free to download the app. It is 100% free. I'm on every night, so I will see you again tomorrow night right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll talk again tomorrow right here on truetalkradio.com, the only place to be.